Hi, I'm Sean Hanif, and you're listening to Life of an Entrepreneur. What's going on? And welcome back to the Life of an Entrepreneur podcast, which is about my life as the CEO uh, of Genflow. My name is Sean Hanif. Um, in this episode, I'm going to be taking you through something new that I launched this week, which is called Genflow Drops. Um, but more importantly, you know, this podcast is all, almost me. Um, kind of getting things off my chest, right? So we had a bit of a uh, a plus and a minus week. I had a difficult uh, situation with a client, which I'll like, kind of explain and some things I need to talk about. I had an amazing session with our chairman and planning the next year and our next fundraise and there, plus just a lots of mixed emotions in a week. So yeah, I guess giving you a bit of the raw, um, uncut, real life of what it's like being an entrepreneur is not what you see on Instagram and TikTok. It's real hard work. It's real stressful but it's also absolutely rewarding. And um, so, yeah, if that's you, sit back, listen to this podcast, and let's get the week going. All right, what's going on? So let's get into it. I think one of the first things I want to talk about, and I think because it's on my chest um, uh, that I need to kind of openly discuss is, so we had a very difficult um, situation with the client, ended up escalating into an in-person meeting with lawyers, um, attorneys essentially uh present and um, you know it's very stressful it was stressful for many different reasons because you know you have to go through a number of steps to get to that point essentially you know which is um, a lot of emotion um a lot of this that whatever going back and forth and emails and all of that stuff so you know with one of our clients um who we've had for a very long time and uh, it's been a very successful partnership there's been a number of things um that haven't gone to plan as of late. Um, so we ended up actually prompting the meeting ourselves to be like, let's just get into a room and hopefully um, sort this out. And I guess, you know, the the end was that it, it, we, we managed to sort it out. But I want to kind of touch up on a couple of things, which I think is quite important um, for myself as a learning curve and hopefully for others listening too. So one of the things I found was, so we... You know, as a business, if you have clients, you'll be servicing them in different ways, right? And um, what's happened with us is, and I find quite interesting, is as we've scaled the business, the way we were going to do some things are naturally going to change just um, because they can't be done in the same way they were done when there's 10 or 15 of you, you know. What I've found in scaling a business, when you have one person doing one thing, for example, it could be one person doing customer service. Then there might be three people. But when it's at a manageable point, the quality would obviously be managed by that person. When you're small, like under 20, very easy to manage. But as you scale, you have to scale your operations, scale the way you do stuff. And then you might find better ways to do stuff. Better for yourself, essentially better for the company. Um, and what's happened with us is that as we've grown up, you know, this year, raised 11 million, hired a bunch of people, there's a team of 90 now, like as we're at that stage, we essentially can't service or do things the way we were doing them. We have to kind of grow up, we've got to do things a bit more properly, you have to think of the cost, you got to do things to a certain uh, degree. And what happened with this client in particular is that what the way we were doing it before, which was very close management, you know, essentially having the complete responsibility um, on ourselves. Well, and now, as, as of late, 
you know, it's kind of structured into how it needs to be because that's the way we're going to scale and be able to do more for, for this particular client and in general um, has changed. And that led the client uh, thinking that, you know, um, why is it not happening as they expect? So just managing the expectation, even though we're doing an amazing job, the business has had the best three months, sorry, the brand that we've launched with the creator has had the best three months it's had to date. The, uh, you know, the creator has, has made the most money they've made as of late. So we've actually done the best work. But the way it felt was different just because the way we were doing it is different. So, yeah, very interesting. And um, it made me realize as well. Um, so basically that happened. Um, the meeting went well. It was actually quite, um, you know, there was no arguments. It was quite civil. It was just a bunch of discussion points. Um, my advice for anyone doing a, let's call it a large meeting, a difficult meeting of any sort, that make sure you just always give time for people to completely say their point before you interject or respond or anything like that. That's in general as well. What happens is then people feel really good because they got to say what they wanted to say. Most times client meetings, when if you've had a meeting and it didn't go to plan, most likely it would have been because the other party didn't get to say what they wanted to say, essentially. That's what I have found. You know, I've been in many situations. I've been on calls when, especially when we're doing a fundraise, you know, there were calls with like three, four different parties on the call, about eight, nine people. And if you don't let people get their viewpoint across, they will then take that away after the call and be like, they'll then come up with other reasons and negative reasons to not do the deal, not do this, not do that, um, uh, for, for, for example. That happens to me when on like, if we're discussing a new um, deal, they may have questions on certain things. And if you just keep, you know, leading the conversation and thinking, being confident, think you're, think you're doing all of that, that you'll be able to, you wouldn't, um, you know, you're, you're not going to give them the ability to feel like that they got what they wanted. If they got the answers, then they'll feel happy, they'll walk away. So in a lot of it's psychology. So even in that meeting, I was very aware of that. We... We were being relaxed and on the back foot because we wanted them to, you know, give them the space needed to be able to say what they wanted to say because then they would feel like it's a success. Um, and that's what it's all about, right? Like everyone needs to feel like whatever they're trying to do in that moment is successful so they can feel happy. Um, so, yeah, was was, was stressful um, learning curve. And I think the good thing was after that, we've uh, had a number of internal meetings just to... Um, get better at um, how could we have managed that better? What could we have done? So some good learning points. Everything's fine. You know, the client's staying with us and uh, we're moving on. But yeah, lots of mixed emotions. I think um, half of my Monday was gone um, just dealing with this. And, you know, something I'll probably have never said to anyone, I'll say it here, that when I get, I get nervous before something I need to do, where I know it's going to be semi like uncomfortable, that naturally I end up uh, not eating. It's a, it's a thing that happens to me. It happens to me before all big pitches or anything that I don't feel like eating anything. And um, yeah, it's strange. And then when it's done, and then I would be like, oh, okay, nah, now I can just like eat and do whatever um, I, I want to do. Um, it happens to me before launches as well. Like probably every single launch ever have like massive launches that we've done for different brands. Like we don't eat the whole day and then like you feast once it's over basically. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that, that was uh, that was the first thing, and the second thing um, that happened last week. 
um, which was pretty cool, was so I had a session um, with our chairman on uh, pretty much next year in our next fundraise. So what's been happening in the background, I guess, um, and if any of the team is listening, it's for you guys as well, um, that I've been getting the most inbound I've ever received um, from investors, from potential investors. And you know, for anyone listening, I was in the position where I remember I never received a cold inbound ever, like ever. You know, I left my job seven years ago. I've been doing this for a very long time. And I used to see people talk about how to navigate investors, how to do this, how to do that. And I used to be like, man, it's never going to happen to me. Obviously, last year I raised money. And uh, if you listen to the first podcast, you'll see that I ran a process. It's different because I went to market. I've never had cold outreach come to me from like top tier firms. Of course, everyone gets the, we can do this and that for you type of emails. But I'm talking about like the, the big guys have been cold emailing me um, for quite a while now. And what I've been doing is, this is a bit of a tactic. And you know, if, you, if you're going to keep listening each week, hopefully we'll get to the point of the next phrase and uh, this will be a great uh, moment. Um, that basically people will... Um, so the tactic I'm doing is that essentially to have conversations. So we know the creator economy is massive. We know there's 50 million creators in the world. You know, this opportunity is absolutely massive and the world is noticing it. So what's happened is all the big firms, the investment firms who are obviously massive, uh, you know, could be 4 billion, 5 billion fund. They are now deciding to put some of that into the creator economy because it's the new big thing. You know, social media we know is massive. Lots of people are investing in social media. You know, the big money's coming into Snapchat and all, all that stuff, right? TikTok, etc. And then people funded a lot of social media around companies that essentially power social media in different ways. It moved to influencer, and all the companies that do, um, you know, influencer-based softwares, matching brands to influencers, influencer insights. You know, they got funded quite heavily. But this is that the next evolution even of that, which is the creator economy, they're empowering the creator themselves. So the large firms are now dedicating money to it, which means associates in firms are sitting there sending these emails out and they're obviously looking for the best companies. So we happen to come across in people's searches and people um, email us. So what's been happening in the background is I've been having a bunch of calls. I've started making some notes. So every call I write some points down because people ask certain questions I'm like interesting or good question and I write it down because I'm like, I'm going to need this when I prepare my pitch. Um, so, you know, we're not, we've not starting the process yet of raising more money, but I'm starting the work and the thinking side of it. So Thursday was a great session with our chairman. He came in and I think, you know, I don't know many people that can think at the same wavelength um, as me. Um, and he truly is like that. And it's so easy to speak to him because of that. And also what I find is, and I think what was amazing about this session was I was literally just saying whatever's in my mind. It could be the most dumbest thing or the most smartest thing. But the point is that I'm saying it out loud and not holding it in. I think as entrepreneurs, as founders, you often don't know what you should, should I say this out loud or should I not? I suffer from that quite a bit because I could have a massive idea in my head that we should be doing as a business. But I'm like, I shouldn't say it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect what the other person thinks. It's going to make them unfocused. I should keep it to myself. There's so much already going on. Why do this? Why do that? But if you know me, you know my ambition and my way of working and getting things done. You know, relentless execution is who I am. And so, yeah, it was great because I can say it out loud. 
no holds barred. Don't give a shit. I'm just going to say it. And as I was saying it, he he's very good at absorbing. Then he like writes it up. Um, that's what he has done. So since that meeting, he's managed to write it up. So the truth is, as a business today, we can keep going the way we are and we'll build a very successful business and everything will be cool. Or there's this opportunity in the market to truly build something massive and to be the Google of the creator economy. And I don't know why. I feel like that's what I want to do. Mainly because I feel like opportunities like this come once in a lifetime and if i don't do it i think i will regret it can i build a good business yes i know how to do it i'm doing it we can keep going that way and a lot of people's ambition like stops there but i feel like we have this opportunity that we owe it to ourselves the team everybody the industry the creators themselves to actually trying to do the, some of the stuff that i'm talking about so yeah it was an absolutely amazing session i think i absolutely loved it um and it kind of what the crazy thing happened was that while we're in the session, there's a massive firm basically called KKR. You can look them up. One of the biggest firms in the world, investment firms. And they sent me like a third chase whilst me and him were speaking. I don't know. Like it was a sign that I should push on and try to go after what I want to do in my mind because the market is ready for it and the time is now. Um, so yeah, it was just great. You know, I just want to share that feeling just because you know, you often doubt yourself and you often think like, shall I do this? Shall I do this now? No, I shouldn't. Stay focused. What am I doing? Like, that's kind of like what I normally think about. Um, so yeah, it was pretty cool to just kind of um, be able to say it out loud. Um, you know, it was well received. I don't think I'm being wrong or stupid. I think what I want to build in, in this space is massive. I have the support. Um, and now the plan begins. So hopefully, you know, week to week, I'll keep you guys updated. But from here... I'm slowly moving into fundraise mode once again. Um, you know, David, a new COO, hopefully is taking uh, the day-to-day -day more and more and the other guys are as well. And um, so, yeah, because sometimes I sit and think, we can make 2 million more or 5 million more. Will it really make a difference? Or I can go and raise a shitload of money and take this thing to a whole nother level. That's probably a better, you know, time spent. Um, I think one of the next few weeks, I'm probably going to talk about my new role. Um, I haven't announced it yet uh, publicly, but I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a YouTube video and the rest of it. But yeah, so that was pretty cool last week. And I think moving on to then Gemflow Drops, um, to touch upon that, because it was pretty new thing for us to do here at Gemflow. And anyone listening as well, you know, don't get stuck in your ways. Always think of new things you can do as a business, because there is. So this is one of those. You know, we identified a problem in the in the market. And I saw this from other companies that large companies like H&M, uh, Urban Outfitters, Zara, Boohoo, they all adopted this model last year undercover, which was essentially started printing uh, instead of manufacturing because of COVID. And they're slowly moving their model to like a part on demand model wherever they can. Obviously, some items you won't be able to, but simple items, you know, in streetwear, loungewear, et cetera, basic activewear, you can do that. And um, so, you know, since then we started toying with the idea of the what if we did that, you know, historically I went away from merchandise, we built high quality items, launch brands, and it's been great. But the time span is a thing. Also, it's not mass market. So what I'm realizing more and more is that we have our white glove service, right? Like where we work very closely with the creator and build an amazing brand. But the creator has to have a lot of money, time and effort um, for it to be worthwhile for every party involved. But the Gemflow Drops, our idea is to go after more the mass market of creators, which there's so many of them, that want to start something, don't have that much money, and um, want to see if it works or not. 
And it's great for us as well because we can see if it works or not. And if it does, we can double down on that person. So yeah, you know, it was, it's been a massive thing, um, mainly to go from idea. You know, it's weird that I have a business, but to be able to still go from idea to launch. We do it for creators all the time, but to do it for Gemflow itself felt really cool. I think seeing the whole team come together, everything. Obviously, we launched it on Friday. If you haven't checked the stuff out, I'll say Instagram, YouTube, you'll see some of the content. You'll see it on the website, gemflow.com slash drops. Um, but yeah, it was uh, feels pretty good for the whole thing to come together. Also feels slightly scary just because it's going to require that much more work. Um, we currently are setting up a new acquisition team to be able to go out to creators to be like, here's Gemflow Drops, like, do you want to sign up to it? I need to do that. This week coming up now, I need to sit and work on uh, marketing for Gemflow Drops because we're going to need to start doing campaigns to be able to, you know, um, drive traffic, get leads, and, and the rest of it. So, yeah, it should be a pretty interesting um, next week. And um, so, yeah, you know, overall was a bit of an up and down week, but good week, um, realizing more and more what I need to do. And I think I'll finish off with one one last thing. So I've planned what I'm going to be doing, which is part of this, like the fundraise chat that I had as well. That Essentially, at the end of October, I'm going to Dubai for two weeks and I'm going on to L.A. for three months, mainly because yeah, the, the market is there. You know, uh, if we want to fundraise, I have to go out there and start meeting firms. These KKR guys are out there, too. They want to meet. So yeah, I think I'm just going to go there and, and and get it going, essentially, in some way or the other. Um, also, we have quite a few important clients out there that I need to go and meet face-to-face and um, keep pushing forwards. But anyway, um, looking forward to this week as well. We have uh, a few clients flying in, actually, one from LA, one from Sweden. Need to be entertaining them, plus um, a lot of other things happening. But anyway, hope you like this episode. Hope you have an amazing week. Um, and yeah just never alone in this game you know let me hit me up on instagram happy to chat happy to message and um, i'll see you guys next week